Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you're listening and not watching the video, head to our website for a list of resources discussed in this podcast, local restaurants, and even social commentary. useventphotos.com podcast. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. How you doing? I'm Mike Gaddy and welcome to the 743 Patterson Park Podcast. Last week I sat down with Chef Andrew and his partner Linda to talk about their opening of Revisions Books and Bar, a new restaurant just off of Patterson Park in Butchers Hill. The episode last week focused solely on opening their restaurant, what it's like to open a local cafe during a pandemic. This week, our conversation continues, but it's a broader focus, talking about the food scene in Baltimore and local places to eat. It's an insider's guide to the best of Baltimore, places where Chef Andrew has collaborated, places where he goes to eat, and some of the best restaurant tours and local spots. But it's even more than that. We talk about how social media has influenced the food scene, how COVID-19 has forever changed how things are being done in the restaurant industry, even how people are being paid, how collaboration has become important to the independent restaurateur in our city. So please join me for this insider's guide to the food scene of Baltimore with Chef Andrew and his partner, Lina. Take a listen. Other cities have recently really developed a reputation as being foodie cities and, and some rather surprising cities. Like I was in Louisville, Kentucky a couple of years ago doing an event and could not believe the foodie culture that, that was there. Um, how do you think Baltimore, comp- your cat's tail is <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I love cats. <laughs> how do you think Baltimore is in sort of embracing that foodie culture, do, you know, I I think we rank up there with a lot of those cities. I think that because we're in the shadow of Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia, it's hard to to keep that in focus. And also because we live here and because we are, you know, we see these restaurants and eat at these restaurants so often, it's it's hard to keep that into perspective as far as just how good they are. Um, You know, we talked about how Cafe Dear Leon has popped up during this pandemic and the attention that they've got the pastries and stuff that I've had from Cafe Dearly on ranks up as some of the best I've ever had anywhere. It, it, it's amazing. And, you know, we've had Nihau in Canton um, just got rated as number four from Esquire magazine as one of the best new restaurants in the country. You know, Ekben over in Fells Point and Hampton gets plenty of national attention. You know, I, I think it would take moving out from the city for a little while and coming back to really change the perspective and, and and put it on the same level as those other cities. But, you know, we've gotten plenty of attention recently for that. You know, we've had Woodbury earn James Beard Award. Cindy Wolf has been nominated every year. I can remember for <laughs> James Beard Award. Um, I, I think we have, you know, great, unique personalities in the chefs in this city. And I think that we have a really good crop of um, food bloggers and and Instagram uh, influencers, which you know I don't think a lot of cities say about their their social media people. But you know, the, 
they're just champions of the food in this city. And I think, um, you know, if, if people on here don't follow Food Nomad on, you know, Instagram and Facebook, um, you know, the city of Baltimore having somebody like that, who I think is essential and just amazing, I think speaks to our, you know, our food uh, culture as well. Uh, so a lot of artists I talk to are, um, get into their art, whether it's Kate Kutzlitz, Kutzwitz, who does the Black Lives Mural windows, or uh, I just did Wes, who's a music, Wes Anderson, who's a local musician. Um, they get into their respective art because they want to see their art out in the community, whether it's walking to work and seeing the windows, or whether it's sitting next to a guy on an airplane and realizing that he's blasting the music that you produce. What is it like to come home from a long day at the restaurant, fall into bed and flip through Instagram and see your food? <laughs> you know, well, we, I don't know how it is for other artistic people. And I don't know how it is for other chefs, but you know, definitely the chefs that I talk to and have good relationships with, we seem to be more neurotic and insecure than than most and definitely our own harshest critics so it, it's always you know it, it it's a strange feeling to see the type of food and the different dishes that people really grasp onto and and love and for me you know I can't speak for anybody else but for me it's always the dishes that I conceptualize the most and slave over the most and feel like our home runs and that I'm the most proud of that will go out there and will completely flop and won't <laughs> sell it all and I won't see anybody post any pictures of except for myself and then the the dishes that are kind of throwaway dishes to me that I I put on the the menu to fill it out and that I guess just subconsciously I know are crowd pleasing are the ones that I see the most you know reposted and I end up not being able to take off the menu and it's, <laughs> it's a weird relationship and it's a weird, you know, any, I guess anytime anybody does anything artistic and it's put out there and you, you have your own opinions about it and it's received a different way. Do you, when you're tired, do you dread looking at Instagram or do you look, you know, do you think, okay, I'm going to put it, you know, is it doom scrolling or is it invigorating? <laughs> Uh, depends. <laughs> yeah, it definitely depends. I I almost as much as I do it, I almost never find scrolling through social media invigorating. Uh -huh. there'll, <laughs> there'll be pops here and there of things that I'll see where you know it'll kind of rejuvenate me. But do you search for yourself? I do. No. <laughs> uh, I I mean, you know, at, at different places that I've been, you know, especially when I was at you know the brewer's art, which you know was there for almost 20 years before I got there. It had such a long history and such a loyal fan base. You know, I found myself searching for the Brewers Art and, and the food there more than any other place, just because it was kind of an echo chamber. I knew that for the most part, <laughs> everything was well-received. And, you know, if somebody was gonna blast something that I did, then I, I, I definitely took that to heart. Um, there was so much other noise around other, you know, projects that I've done that I, I didn't do it as much, so. Um, that you, you, you realized that you wanted to move into the space which will be revisions, the old life of Riley space. You saw it on Facebook, Patterson Park 
neighborhood Facebook page, which I just love. And you realize you needed a, a partnership to, to get it off the ground. Um, who did you partner with and, ha and, and you know, just give me a little bit of background on that because uh, I find that interesting. And, and again, sort of these partnerships that, are, that grow out of. Sure, um, you know, when we first came up with the idea for this, you know, hybrid, um, you know, bookstore, restaurant, bar. Um, I reached out to a lot of uh, former restaurant owners and people that I've worked with in the past um, and whose opinions I really respect. And, you know, I, I got a decent, you know, feedback from them, but they told me to reach out to um, Alan Kotz, who I had not met previously, but I was very familiar with. You know, he was one of the founding owners of the food market in Hamden, um, and then after leaving there, opened Orto and Station North, two very well-received uh, restaurants in Baltimore, and you know seemed to have a pretty good knowledge of of what it took to succeed in Baltimore. Um, and so I brought the idea to him, and you know he his overwhelming positivity to the idea and his response to it, and just immediately bringing up this space that we had already looked at. Um, you know, just kind of kismet in a way. And, you know, he has been such a huge help just being an advisor to us. And, and I mean, A, buying the building and renting it to us because he has that much faith in us. And then also all his, you know, advisory roles since then has, you know, we couldn't have, we would not be here without him definitely. So is collaboration important in the restaurant industry more and more? It seems like it is more important in art in general to collaborate with other people to get business ventures to move forward. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the the Foreman Wolfs and the Atlas Restaurant Groups and those big groups. And I think if you're going to be an independent restaurant owner or an independent business owner, you know, you need to do things that that help put you in a position and, and making those connections and finding those partnerships um I, I think it's huge and i think over the past you know i i think that's probably been the biggest shift in the restaurant scene in baltimore recently is that instead of all these restaurants thinking that they can only uh, survive and progress if they're the only ones and everybody else needs to suffer for that. You see everybody else working together because they know that everybody else succeeding is only going to help them. And it's going to build the, the culture. It's going to build, you know, the, you know, the, the identity in the city and, you know, all these great restaurants, and all these great chefs in the city, you know, they are, they're part of this, you know, kind of uh, community and help each other out when they can, uh, which is great. And I think you're seeing a lot of, um, personalities and independent restaurant owners and uh, chefs realizing that kind of, you know, this business model that, you know, the restaurant industry has been built on needs to come down and it needs to be torn down to its bare bones and kind of built back up to something that's less exploitive and uh, just less problematic in every way. And the only way that it's going to do that is if, you know, a lot of people buy in. And so you're seeing that a lot with, you know, these new places that are opening. And I think hopefully now with the pandemic and with, you know, everybody already having to shift that model and kind of rethink it, now's the best time of any to do that. And that's, you know, what we're gonna be doing at Revisions. 
So you're the third artist, and I'm putting you, I, you know, put you squarely in the artist entrepreneur category, but you're the third artist to, to basically express to me that you see COVID as an opportunity to rethink the industry and that, and to move forward. That yeah. is really interesting. It's, you know, when, when things are working and people are making money, then there's no reason for people to look inside at how they're doing that and the backs on which they are, you know, succeeding. But when you're not, and all of a sudden you have to figure out now, again, how, how does a restaurant make money? How does another business make money? You know, you, it, it's not a secret to anybody in the restaurant industry, all the problems that, that were in there, you know, it, it Anybody that's worked in the restaurant industry knows what a toxic, problematic environment, I would say an overwhelming majority of them are. Um, so now when you have to rethink restaurants and the businesses as a whole, I feel like if you have any bit of morality or a soul, <laughs> then you can take that completely out of the equation because why wouldn't you? If you're going to rebuild the model and you're going to rethink how a restaurant should work, why wouldn't you take that part out that is only there because everybody that opens a restaurant just says, well, it's always That's been that way. Yeah. That's yeah. how it worked before. That's how restaurants make money. You pay people less than, you know, minimum wage and hope that the generosity of the people at the table make up for that. You pay the, the cooks in the kitchen that probably have two different jobs and are working 12 to 14 hours as little as they're willing to accept. So you, you know, have a higher profit margin at the end of the day, which they're already very low in this industry. Right. Right. How does the public fuel your creativity? And does this new footprint have a walling off effect that, that hurts? Um, I don't, I don't know. I like, I'll, I'll definitely say like, I can ag agree with that, that sentiment. Um, even though I am, an introvert, like when I am at the library and I'm at the public service desk and I'm interacting with patrons, like that, that's the only social interaction that gives me energy. Everything else strains it. Um, and so it has been challenging shifting to, um, you know, the library isn't open to the public right now. So, you know, I can talk to people on the phone, I can email them, we set up Zoom calls, but it's not quite the same. Um, you don't have those like unexpected interactions where you go into a day and you don't know what conversation you're going to have. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that energy used to kind of fuel me to do some of the more like boring stuff. And now, <laughs> you know, it's not there anymore. Um, so that's, that's definitely a challenge. And, you know, we're going to have to think about in this environment, how to keep those channels open for that kind of connection. Um, you know, I'm hoping with like uh, sidewalk sales at the bookstore, you know, that we will be out on the sidewalk. We can say, hey, to anybody who passes by, meet our neighbors that way, um, kind of build that community slowly, maybe not in the way that I would ideally like to, um, but in a way that's at least safe for everybody. Yeah, <clears throat> kind of echoing that also as an introvert who has very low social bandwidth, um, which, you know, obviously I picked a great career for that, but 
uh, you know, when opening Maggie's Farm, um, you know, and I think a lot of people that get into the, the business for the first time, you think that you're just going to open a business. You think you're just going to open a restaurant. But especially in Baltimore, I feel, and I learned in the Laurelville Hamilton neighborhood, that's not the way it works. You, you open a business, but then you're immediately part of the community, whether you want to or not. And, you know, then you start to, to you know, have relationships with all the other business owners and then all the people that live in that community. And, you know, that in and of itself, you know, helps to energize you and helps, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a weird thing. So, you know, you know, going into this, you know, having done it before, you know, I, I, I know what that is. And I know that, you know, living in Patterson Park, you know, especially in a pandemic, but even if I was allowed to go outside, I probably still wouldn't. And I wouldn't interact much with my neighbors just because that's not who I am. But immediately when I'm in, in that building and I'm now the business owner, you know, I know that I am now part of the greater Butchers Hill and Patterson Park community. And it's, it's a complete, completely different feeling. And it's going to be interesting to see how we're going to exist and be hopefully a positive influence and and part of that community while having these restrictions so yeah um when do you uh when do you all think you'll you'll have the doors open uh, <laughs> uh so originally the idea was march now we're shooting for mid to late march so uh, yeah we'll, we'll see all right well we wish you the best of luck so Chef Andrew said, it's hard to keep perspective of just how good the restaurants here in Baltimore are, how creative the restaurant tours are, and how they bring a unique spin to the food culture right here. He said, maybe you had to move away and come back to remember just how good Baltimore is. My partner and I moved to Florida a few years ago, and we lived there for maybe five or six years on both coasts in two different houses. About a year and a half ago, we moved back to Patterson Park, and I was bribed by Matthew to move back, to agree to move back here because he said I could have a row house with a rooftop deck, which we now do. It was a college dream, and it happened. Who knew? However, for Valentine's Day, I thought I'd do something special for him. I wanted, I wanted something other than flowers. We're not really flower boys. Uh, so I ordered from a local bakery the most delicious box of cookies that you can imagine. We inhaled every single cookie and even practically licked the crumbs right out of the box. My mom who watches this podcast is probably not going to be thrilled with me when I'd say they were some of the best cookies I have ever had. Right from local Baltimore bakery. Bakeries don't exist like that in other cities. I know I looked for them. They are unique to hear. Next week, we're going to shift things just a little bit. I want to talk about some of the local news going on right in our community that you may have missed. So please join me next week when we take a look at some of the happenings right around our beautiful neighborhood. Meanwhile, have a great couple weeks and we'll see you soon.